Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. Robots Radio presents... The Cyberbuck Lorecast. Welcome to the Cyberpunk Lorecast, where style is just as important as substance. Welcome to the podcast where we explore the lore, news, and gameplay of the cyberpunk games and other dystopian worlds. I'm your host, Robots. Cyberpunks, it is Sunday night at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. It is time again for the Cyberpunk Lorecast. I'm your host, Tom, or Robots, and I am here with my co-host, Captain Logan, Captain Skelly Logan, as he was known this week, uh, when my son and I were playing Sea of Thieves and we uh, found his pirate on an island and his uh, Skelly pirate and uh, murdered him. So I'm glad you're back from the dead and have the rest of the flesh and bones, you know, the rest of your body all assembled. I can't believe how nonchalantly you murdered me too. Like your son yeah. was calling you to, to come back and you're like, yeah, but Captain Logan, he's like, I need you to come back. And you're like, okay, boom. And you just grabbed my skull yeah. and the note and just yep. walked off. And I was yeah. like, oh, do I not get any kind of ceremony? Like what kind of, <laughs> like, I feel like there should be some sort of like Japanese ritual performed to take care of my skeleton, to cleanse my spirit of the, the dark evil that has encompassed oh, my that's- skeleton see these yeah that's the, no. the, that's the creepy lady's job i just bring her your skull and she does the rest of that yeah. stuff that's that's what, that's what she <laughs> pays me for wait a minute how does this even work i don't know yeah yeah <laughs> there's a it's interesting how that all works out too i don't i don't know if you know the, the, the little bit of lore but the mm-hmm. skulls that you take to the order of souls mm-hmm. uh they listen to the memories of the skeleton captains Ooh. and then they jot down all of the riddles and all of the x marks the spot maps they create the ah. maps and then sell those to ah. the gold hoarder that makes and then sense. the gold hoarder still sells them to you yeah, I was thinking like you can turn in all that gold and stuff. You get to the gold hoarder. He must have a crazy markup on whoever he's selling that stuff to in order for you to make as much as you make. Like all of that goes to the gold hoarder. They actually don't get much of any of it. Mm. But yeah, it's it's very interesting. But I, I got to say, it was really exciting to see you playing Sea of Thieves and, and enjoying it and killing my skeleton captain and whatnot. Oh, of course. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 it, was, it was a really, really fun event. But I wanted to, I mean, I feel like I want to jump into, we got so much to talk about, about Takamura and I've been playing a lot of Ghost of Tsushima and we talked a little bit before we started recording, but I jumped into Ghost of Tsushima and I've been loving that Japanese uh, lifestyle right now. And I hit you up and I was like, look, we, (laughs) we have not touched on Takamura and he is one of the coolest characters in the game. Can we please dive into some lore with him? Let's talk to him. Yeah. About him. Let's do it. Yeah. So. I, I've been, I, I don't know how you went through your, your first run through with him. Um, but my first run through, I went through with Arasaka and I sided with them. So I got to see kind of like the full, full run through with him. Um, overall, just to kind of start, I'm, I'm kind of curious, how did you feel about running into him in the first encounter in the junkyard? In the first encounter in the junk, when he, uh, comes and picks you up. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, 
That's a, that's a, I'm trying to remember back now, multiple months. It's been months since right? we first jumped into this game. Um, yeah. This and, is, and this is the point. yeah. And I played multiple times through that intro section and got into that part. First time so this is experience when, yeah. Yeah. After, after De- Dexter has kind of off to you mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you're, you wake up in the junkyard mm-hmm. and Dexter's like, escorting uh he's leading takamura who's got him kind of at gunpoint to your body because right takamura is trying to get that chip back yeah say that again and keep saying his name because you do the japanese thing better than i do takamura there you go yeah that's it yeah i it's <laughs> i'm just gonna he, i'm just gonna use uh <laughs> i'm just gonna use pronouns you can actually say his name <laughs> okay um i'll just say he <laughs> or him goro uh, goro okay all right well goro uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, thinking back. Um, yeah, this is the, so, this is the the actual car scene yeah. with the assassins. Oh yeah, yeah. No, that scene was great. I took screenshots the very first time. I was like, "This is great." Screenshot, screenshot, screenshot. Like showed like that. They're jumping yeah. through the air and like yeah, I, I, all that stuff. And he was driving. Oh, he's God. driving, and he's like, "I need your help," and hands you a gun. Um, <laughs> yeah. So that was okay. So in that scene, in the beginning of toward the beginning of the game. That was the scene where, well, you know that he gets blamed like, okay, so let's go back to the back to the tower, right? You know that like (sighs) he didn't do do his job well enough to keep uh, what's his face safe. Um, Saburo. Saburo safe. Saburo Arasaka. Right. And so like, like I very quickly put together the, okay, he's, he's now the fall guy. This is what's going on. He needs my help because I know the truth of the situation like that. I added that up pretty quick because that's a pretty solid um, plot line kind of kind of point. Like there's a lot of plotlines where that kind of stuff happens, right? Where it's like, oh, this is a badass bad guy, but now he's not really a bad guy. So we have to we have to you know, I have to put down our pasts and work together in order to achieve a similar goal, even though we're different. We have different ultimate goals. Like I totally got that. and I like that kind of stuff in uh, TV shows and movies and things. In fact, I think this is one of those themes that I first noticed. So let's let's go back in time, Captain Logan. <laughs> let's talk about movies and TV shows. Ooh. It was one, this is one of the things that I noticed it, uh, uh, in shows like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, where and, and yes. it's very comic booky too. And I think that's where they draw that from. Of yeah. like this is this person is traditionally a bad guy and this person is traditionally a good guy, but this other situation happens with other bad guy who's even worse and now bad guy needs to team up with good guy in order to stop even worse bad guy because of x y and z right so that that uncomfortable partnership that like in any other situation both of these people would be trying to murder each other but they're not going to and they're just i mean there's this like we're just putting down our weapons we will not be murdering each other and there's that like uncomfortable tension between them that like at any moment either person could just change the, the the rules of engagement here and flip it but uh, and, and this is something that's been very common in um that kind of content for a long time now um you see it a lot in the last 20 years in tv yeah. shows right and things like that it, very much the the enemy of my enemy is my friend right scenario right like this is an evil bad guy and he's an evil bad guy because he wants to take over all of these corporations and and steal money from everybody but the other bad guy wants to destroy the world so okay (laughs) we both we you know we'll fight the destroy the world guy because we both agree that that's even worse okay here we go um so it's it's that kind of thing uh i think that there were there were some still some like 
lingering feelings of like, is this, uh, is this a manipulation in order to get to me because I'm not actually dead? But that, that went away pretty quickly. Um, in that, in that situation, I think that was also the first situation that I, I realized that I was going to get to know that character a little bit more and come to understand the, um, why that character is such a badass right yeah because like yeah. you're like you don't become like leader of the personal guard of the most powerful man in the world without being a freaking badass yourself right like you don't get that job just from nothing so yeah. um yeah so yeah that was my feelings what, what, what were your thoughts on that this was really kind of cool for me because I, I felt like your story ends so abruptly. Uh, obviously Dexter shoots you in the head and you die and you, you wake up in a junkyard and you're not sure how or why, cause you should be dead. And it mm-hmm. quickly drew me back into what was going on with the heist. Um, I had, I had just lost Jackie. Uh, T bug was nowhere to be found. And Dexter was go- reneging on his, on his deal because of the heat that we caused. Right. So right. having, having Goro or Takamura, uh, show up, it was really kind of comforting to know that even even though this guy was trying to use me to clear his name to to get the truth out about what happened to Saburo Arasaka mm-hmm. it felt like he was the ally that I was going to have to deal with because he was the only one that seemed to care that I was even in existence and when the assassins came and he's driving and he's relying on you to kill the assassins while he drives it was a sense of blind trust a sense of of uh right i'm gonna give you this gun and you're not gonna just shoot me because we both have to deal with this other thing and and it showed that they were after him too which means he was in just as much danger as you were yeah it solidified the situation yeah, it, it feels a lot like that first instance, uh, especially in the in the Nomad uh, playthrough when you're meeting up with Jackie. Both of you are, are in it together. You you don't have much background on each other, but there's a trust because there's a common goal, and they build that really well with uh, Takamura. And I and I think that that was the thing that really made me appreciate just how well crafted that initial introduction with him was. And I don't think if if it didn't feel like both of you were in mortal danger, I don't think that you would be able to trust him so well mm-hmm. uh, from the get-go because he kind of saves your life, but you also kind of save his. And it, it means a lot that he's willing to give up his own life, let alone you know his, his job. He's already kind of failed at that, but it was such an interesting uh, experience to, to go through something so harrowing that for the most part, you felt like you'd really kind of hit that crescendo with the heist. The end right. of the heist felt like you were moving into chapter three, but it ramps up really quickly right after that. And and having Takamoto kind of be the linchpin for the entire game uh, mm-hmm. is is so interesting because without him, you wouldn't you wouldn't have a reason to go back to Arasaka. You'd have the chip, but you wouldn't have an idea of who might be able to help you get it taken out that personal uh, to connection to the to the big yeah. bad organization would be missing yeah yeah 
yeah you'd you'd be you'd be stuck trying to find a way to get back inside and sure maybe you could do that with with rogue or some other help but takamoto really does kind of pull you in um and that was that was the really interesting thing because he is so driven uh to protect that company but not to protect the company because if it was the company Mm -hmm. he would just side with saburo's son and he didn't he didn't uh he didn't go with um your no or no your nobu what yeah. was his name your yeah. yeah okay yeah uh he didn't go with him he went with saburo right and it was so interesting like the loyalty so i wanted yes to, i wanted to yes dive that, into his past right if, if you're up for well, it. well yeah to- totally and um and to kind of come back around to what you're saying here yep, yep, yep. the when you look at a character there are usually two or three words that uh, define that character that you can boil the character down to. And Mm -hmm. uh, his like two of his words would be loyalty, honor, and uh, maybe (laughs) drive, you know, or, or mercilessness. Like he, he is, I think justice, justice, one that I, maybe yeah yeah but and that's part of why he's trustworthy is because you know even if he has different goals even if his loyalties are to somebody who you think is an enemy you know where you stand with him Mm -hmm. you know you like he is the kind of person who you know what the boundaries are you know what he's trying to do you know where you stand and you know what his goal is and as long as you are in line with that temporarily that's fine and at some point you're you may diverge in the future but then you will know you are clearly on a different path and that this person is no longer an ally. You know exactly where you when when you're together and when you're not together. And that's yep. what makes that kind of character um, appealing is because there's, you know, there's there's respect, like somebody who is honorable and and loyal. Like those are those are good traits, even if they're for the bad guy. They're still yep. like, uh, what's the word? They're still, you know, I don't know, not just good, but like uh well received like they're they're respectable they're respectable traits in a, yeah. in a in a person or character um so anyway i just wanted to sum that up in a, in a way that just kind of defined that yeah yeah you you definitely definitely nailed it i i wanted to to kind of touch on that too because i think the reason why he's okay with you uh kind of deals a lot with the the kind of balls for lack of a better phrase uh mm-hmm. that you kind of showed for the heist like he i feel like based on how he grew up where he grew up and, and what his life was like before he became the bodyguard of uh, saburo arasaka the leader of arasaka uh company and family um he kind of sees you and he sees like that that same ambition because i think he relates directly to knowing what you're going through and sure you may be going through it through a means that is much much more kind of unlawful um but you know what's lawful and unlawful is dictated by you know governments and corporations i think you know some of the stuff that's that arasaka does is probably considered unlawful until they decide to make it lawful for whatever they're doing <laughs> right or, or right. justify it right. so but I, I was um i don't know if you do you want to go into it or do you want me to go into his uh childhood and and kind of how he was raised um, go, go for it this is i, I okay. feel like this is a, a pet project for you so um feel free to take on a lot of this stuff yourself if you want well 
you you did the dual you grabbed a lot of the uh the actual um notes here so you did a lot of the 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 hard legwork for me but uh goro takamoto was born in chibi uh 11 which is a dangerous district in japan with the highest murder rate while bathing in a river like all the other boys in chibi 11 arasaka recruiters came by and recruited the cleanest boys as they often do kind of weird that doesn't sound like recruitment that sounds like abduction yeah and uh, if it wasn't for the fact that these these i don't know that the majority of these boys were going to grow up in terrible terrible environments and they they were in some way being saved from that future it would be abduction right but the idea is that they're being recruited like if you go from bad situation to not as bad situation then it's a recruitment right if you're going from Eh, whatever situation to worse situation then that's that's kidnapping <laughs> yeah and I, I i've seen this storyline in a couple other uh stories uh i think altered carbon did a really interesting take on it where uh some of the characters in there were kind of recruited by a, a company mm-hmm. as and trained up to be bodyguards or military uh leaders and things like that so this it's, is the same, it's definitely this is the same storyline that you get in star wars with uh um the uh thin yeah yeah, yeah. When, uh, that's true the stormtroopers most like what's the word uh stormtroopers like this is <laughs> this is exactly the same kind of thing this idea of like the big bad empire whatever that is comes in and whisks away the poor children that have no future into service for them because they know they can yeah even I would argue, you know, it, it even goes as into some big franchises and gaming as far as like Halo, you know, what is Master Chief, if not a child who was raised and tested on and cloned and, you know, had no life or had no freedom uh, to speak of and has been born into this weapon. So seeing Goro uh, Takamoto grow up in, in Japan and have to live this life, uh, it was kind of clear that it was going to be kind of death or recruitment for him, um, not death death by Arasaka's hands, but just through natural uh, uh, order of of things, you know, there's only so much food and water for them to kind of go around in that situation. So uh, Takamura was chosen and felt like he had won the lottery, which as a kid being whisked away to a a land where there's plenty of food and water, clothing, you know, place to sleep, safe environment, I could understand where they're coming from. Mm -hmm. Uh, He was conscripted into Arasaka's corporate army and eventually joined their special forces divisions. So he's already pretty, pretty talented just based on that. Uh, one day, Saburo Arasaka came to recruit one of the special forces operators to be his personal bodyguard and chose Takamoto out of hundreds of candidates. He idolized Saburo and developed undying loyalty to the Arasaka family, which is an interesting note. Uh, Saburo's, uh, as Saburo's are, uh, Arasaka's bodyguard, he received elite cyberware, including endoskeleton reinforcing his neck and spine. Takamuro even personally trained uh, Sandeo Oda uh, to be a cyber ninja and bodyguard to Hanaka Arasaka. This was the thing that to me feels like the 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 ronin samurai warrior the the kid that grows up is is conscripted by a samurai lord raised in the ranks taught how to fight and then finds out that someone has killed his master uh and he is seeking revenge for that he is also seeking for justice for those that have been wronged and the honor that has been stained upon his name it is such an amazing story 
in in a lot of Japanese uh, samurai films, and mm-hmm. and to have it represented in cyberpunk in this way, it was such a cool experience for me to go through because I've always idolized those kind of films and those kind of stories. You know, I always love that idea of of tradition and honor. It's so beautiful to see it executed, um, and and it was really interesting to kind of go through as V to be this kind of street kid and see all of this stuff without any kind of personal connection but still feel that there is a way to kind of relate to goro because he had been he had been screwed over so much because of what you did but also because of what soburo's son was doing and Mm -hmm. if not for your nobo i i feel like goro probably would have killed you on site just for the the dishonor that you tried to to come in and steal his family's uh, uh or his his master's uh yeah. relics and stuff like that right but be- because of you're the, a thief the, yeah i mean you're yeah. basically a thief of the highest order sneaking into the home of his master to steal his most prized possession yeah yeah and the interesting thing to to go into um, to, to dive a little bit into uh, 2077, where we're, we deal with him the most of the time, is the the fact that he actually trained uh, Sadeo Oda, who we come in contact with pretty early into the story with uh, Goro. And it was really interesting to kind of watch like this, this kind of trust between two people. Like, imagine if you if you had trained someone to be a personal bodyguard and they looked up to you like mm-hmm. you, you, you know, and, and then to call them and be like, I I've been wronged. You, you don't understand what's going on. I know you're loyal to, uh, Subaru's daughter, but you have to believe me when I say that Subaru's son is the one that killed Subaru right. and to have to, to have to like put on the line, like loyalty to your master versus loyalty to your, to your, your as a bodyguard, like, it's so crazy to watch this back alley thing. So I, I would love to hear your feelings on what, what did you end up doing or how did you kind of approach that meeting with Oda down on the docks uh, mm-hmm. in the middle of the night with uh, Goro? Yeah, I, I remember that. Um, you know, I, I don't think I was too surprised. I think it was one of those things where it was like, like they're not going to take his side on it because <sighs> Arasaka is too powerful. It's the kind of thing where everybody who works for them knows that if they step out of line, that they are as good as or worse than dead. That like that 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 organization is so powerful and can hold the lives of the people around them hostage that that, that there is no stepping out of line like mm. and and and. and uh, Takamura himself would not have stopped, stepped out of line if it wasn't for himself even being put in such danger personally. You know, like I, I also I, as honorable and as uh, loyal as he is, had he not been called out and blamed for the death of his, you know, uh, I forget his name again. Sorry, words are just falling out of my head. Saburo's death. Then yeah. I don't know that he would have openly pushed back against it as hard he probably would have been very grumpy and like 
But being that he was an honorable person who served, you know, the company, he would have he's a company man. He would have moved forward with it and and maybe have retired early and worked behind the scenes. But I don't think he would have openly rebelled because he he understood that the the dangers of doing so. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't yeah. I don't know that he would have done that. But 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 he was dishonored as well in that. Yep. And you dishonored my master. You dishonored me. I, I'm going to now stand against this. Um, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I, it's one of those, it's one of those questions that comes about all the time. Uh, like had, had you lived in a different time, would you have sided with, let's say if you would, if had you lived in Nazi Germany in the 1930s, would you have helped the rise of Hitler? And most people will say, Oh no, I would have stood against that. No, most of us would have been complacent with it. Like, that's that's the nature of the situation that's the nature of humans that's the nature of evil it is only the rare people who had the foresight and the bravery or the lack of things to lose that were able to stand up against that um because for the most part until all of a sudden that situation turns bad and turns against you it looks like it's to your own benefit and then once it does turn bad and the situation become comes out of hand then and everyone starts realizing, oh, my God, that the government is doing terrible things. Everyone's too afraid to speak up. Um, it, yeah, it grows out, and, out of the out of hand too quickly. You're you're 100 percent right. And, and that's exactly what happens to Takamura. He has nothing left. He, he has no one to protect. He has no connection outside of the few people that he has. He's just trying to reclaim some honor and some truth and get some justice out of what's going on. Right. Right. And hindsight is, is 2020. And that's that's yeah. the thing. Like any any group of um, any any group of people who consider themselves good people. We'll look back on any terrible situation in the past and say, oh, no, I would have stood against that. But uh, most human beings, as we as as history shows, have been the same throughout history. And in any situation, will the average human will still make the same basic decisions? This the, the breakdown of people who stand against those things versus people who don't will always be about the same ratio. Um, and it's because oftentimes we're blind to it. Or we uh, we value the things in, in the immediacy around us and our basic needs over the things in the long term or that are greater for the community. I mean, look at how many people still don't recycle or still don't believe in global warming or, you know, like and let's not I don't want to get into the politics of all of this, but it's because we put our immediate needs ahead of the things beyond ourselves because we we on an evolutionary standpoint don't balance that yet we it's yeah. we're not designed to you know uh i don't know it's it's, it's a much bigger issue but let's let's go back to the cyberpunk side of this yeah i was not surprised to see that like he didn't either didn't believe him or wasn't willing to go along with him or needed to say the company line in order to you know go back to work and you know turn his head um there was some mutual respect though if i remember that situation correctly in that like like I'm going to like, there. I don't know that he said it, but the understanding was basically, I'm going to pretend that we never had this conversation, never contact me again. You know, like there was that, like, I'll give you this one here, but don't put me in this situation again, because my life and your life and everybody else's lives are a danger here. Like, let's just pretend yeah. this didn't happen. Yeah. Well, so it's funny that you bring up the recycling thing and I, and I I won't linger on that, but I do have to, I do have to relate it to cyberpunk because it's very apt that if, 
if most people are recycling, if most people are being concerned about, you know, mm-hmm. uh, weather or climate change and things like that, that's when everyone else starts to kind of like stand up and be like, oh, okay, well, this is something that's exactly what Takamoto does with you. Yeah. He can't do it alone. He needs help. That's why he's reaching out to you. That's why he's saving your life. That's why he's, he's reaching out for Oda. That's why he's trying to get, uh, um, more resistance, more, more people to try and see his thing. It's the entire reason why he feels like he has to get this meeting with Hanukkah, which is Mm. kind of the whole point of meeting up with Oda. He's trying to reach out to the people that he feels like he can trust to try and get this information, to try and get the truth about uh, your Nobu killing Soburo to Hanukkah because Hanukkah is the only one that can stand up to your Nobu at this point. Uh, Saburo is dead. There's nothing that can happen. So when I went into this meeting, I thought it was very interesting that, uh, to find out that, that Oda was the one that, that, um, Goro had trained. So when Mm -hmm. I went to the meeting, I was desperately hoping that that Oda would actually help us, that he would find a way to get us a meeting with Hanukkah. And, you know, after playing through it, I realized very quickly uh, afterwards that that wasn't going to be the case. I even played through that like three times just to try and dig through the different dialogue options Mm -hmm. to see if maybe there was something I was missing, but I'd never found a way. And I'm kind of happy for it because it actually leads you into a really awesome uh, kind of scene where you actually get to go into um, Little Little Japan. I think it's Little Japan, the little area that you, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And once you actually get into that area, that's when, uh, after that meeting, Oda's like, no, yeah, I I can't support you in this. I'm just going to pretend like you never contacted me. Please know that regardless of whatever you do, I will protect Hanukkah with my life. And you're like, this sucks. I can't believe you don't believe us, but I respect that you, you're going to do your job. We'll just try and stay out, stay out of your way. And that was kind of when I was like, okay, we're on our own. We really don't have anyone at this point. So if I have any hope of getting this relic ripped out of my head so that I can survive, Goro is going to have to get this meeting with Hanako and I'm going to have to talk to her. And we found out, um, thanks to, oh, I'm forgetting her name, but the fixer in, uh, that district, uh, the little old lady who, yeah, um, who runs Tiger Claw. Oh my God. And I can't remember uh, her name, but she, she's, she's the best. She's one of my favorite fixers. Um, yeah, she's, she's great. I yeah, love I can't her. Remember her name. She, I, this is one of those moments always, where everyone's going to yell at their car stereo. They're like, yeah. So and so, um, yeah, we know her. We just Claw, think of it. Fixer cyberpunk. It, it'll come up. Um, so, but yeah, she uh, helps us get the information that we need about this celebration uh, that's going on. Because for the most part, Hanukkah has always lived in Japan and stayed away from America and tried to keep away from Night City because she doesn't want to be involved. Um, I'm actually struggling to remember what the what the reason for her coming was because I'm trying to remember if she was actually coming because she was going to celebrate something or if she was there because of her father's death. And I'm, I'm leaning more towards uh, that. It was to have the ceremony for her father's death. Uh, Wakako. That's yeah. It. Yeah. Wakako. <laughs> um, yeah. I, 
Uh, I'm going to, I would just be guessing at this point because uh, we're getting, <laughs> we're still thinking back to all these things that I hadn't played through story-wise in a long time. Um, I think it was because of the father's death. I think, I think it was the whole, the, the company came together in order to deal with the father's death, but then also the, the parade. Yeah. They were all in town yeah. for that. Yeah, it was, it was such a beautiful moment. So I, I went into the actual to, to kind of we're kind of skipping over a little bit of stuff about totally uh, fine. some of your interactions. Yeah, but. yeah. Well, I don't know that we need to highlight every detail so much as just yeah. the, some of the things that stand out to us, because at this point, most people have played through these things. So let's just yep. let's just focus on kind of the, the most interesting bits. So let's let's talk about the actual uh, parade and the floats and having to deal with that. Cause that was uh, probably one of the coolest kind of espionage missions that I think I'd been on uh, that didn't include the heist. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there's the assault on Arasaka tower with Johnny uh, back in the past. There's the heist with Jackie. That was really great. There's kind of the ending where you're, where you're going into Arasaka tower, however you choose to do that. But this was one of those moments where I really love the atmosphere. It totally felt like something out of Ghost in the Shell, uh, with with the big floating hologram fish and and just the the overall celebration and the big crowds and kind of moving your way through everyone and getting to different places because the whole goal of it was is to try and take out these three snipers right. and a, security. a really strong yeah a really strong net runner uh, to be able to get to. Um, Hanako, but you kind of knew in the back of your head because of that meeting on the dock that you're like, I'm going to have to deal with Oda at some point. Oda is going to be around. I don't know what that fight's going to be like, but I'll be honest. I think that the, that the Oda fight is better than the Adam Smasher fight. Yeah. And yeah, I agree. I mean, uh, Adam Smasher is a big, big brawling metal dude with all sorts of, you know, explosives and guns and things. Right. Um, Yeah. Uh, but in no way, and other than the technology that he holds, he's, I mean, he, there's nothing particular, like, let me back up Arasaka, the organization and the people that you deal with at Arasaka, the leadership, Takamura, Oda is very, even the storyline, like you're saying, this, uh, rogue samurai kind of thing. It's very Japanese. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm a smasher, not Japanese. <laughs> like, <laughs> like that fight what? thematically fits. I mean, story-wise, it fits because he works for the the company. But uh, dealing with Oda, like Cyber Ninja Extraordinaire, definitely fit. Right, like that fit into yeah. all of it. That that made sense from the. This is what you're so dealing good. with, kind of thing. And um, and another. This reminded me of another thing. In the same way that. Star Wars is a space Western. This is mm. what makes cyberpunk 2077 a Japanese samurai. Yes. Picture, right. Totally. Like this is the Japan. This is the space Western to Star Wars. That is cyberpunk's Japanese samurai to cyberpunk. It, yeah. Totally feels like a Kurosawa film where you really have to come come up against some of the hardest people that have been trained as your friends for life, right. only to have to fight them uh, in the name of honor, you know, and, and, and uncovering that it was so such a good fight. And, and I loved the atmosphere about how everything's at night, everything's in mm-hmm. dimly lit rooms, you know, the verticality just, of that yes. um, having like. I 
going through that a second or third time began to understand, okay, where are the different floors and where are these different areas and how does the scaffolding work? Like I, I, I gained a sense of like the three dimensional space, but, and you play games enough and eventually you, your brain just kind of does this easily, right? Like we're constantly navigating yeah. three dimensional space in games and you, you're able to, you know, take a look at the lay, layout of level or whatever and go, okay, yeah, it probably goes around here and then you go around there and then you'd be on this other side and this is where this other thing is. That space, because it was so darkly lit, there was a lot of contrast with lights. There's a lot of moving objects through the middle of two rows of buildings with scaffolding. You're going in and out of buildings. You are frantically sometimes running from one place to another, trying not to get shot or having to deal with whatever communications coming through the thing. You have to you know, figure out a way to get down to this other sniper without getting seen. There's a lot that you're processing as you go through that section that it took me a few times to get a sense of like the layout of it. It, the first time I went through it, it felt like I just kind of stumbled my way into wherever the next places I needed to go. <laughs> and I was just happened to be in the right spot. And I was like, OK, cool. This is where the next thing is. I have to kill them or there's some guards here I have to take out. Um, and I, I kind of liked that, like the fact that it, it felt dark and confusing. Um, I felt like yeah. I could have turned the corner at any point and come across the wrong thing or been seen, you know, or I don't know. I liked, there are plenty of times I where I did actually. Yeah. There are plenty of times where where I would come down a step of stairs and there'd be these giant drones patrolling right between the buildings, and I'm sitting on these stairs just like holding the handrails, like oh my god, right. I need to find a place to hide, or I need to short circuit these things, or do something that's not going to cause a big outcry. Because as soon as I do, everyone on comms is going to be alerted, and I'm going to have to deal with everything getting screwed up and Goro's counting on me not to F this up. So I right, gotta be, right. I gotta be cool about this. And yeah, that was, that was so good. Um, I absolutely loved uh, getting to the net runner and uh, taking them out. The question I have for you that I didn't realize was an option. And I, I feel like this is something that was kind of a fault of the game design because it's not really, it's, it's kind of told you that you can do this with the non-lethal weapons, but, I killed Odo or Oda and mm -hmm. I, I'm pretty sure most people probably ended up killing Oda. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, I didn't know this, but if you save Oda, if you, if you use non-lethal weapons on Oda and he lives, he's knocked out that can actually impact the end of the game. Mm -hmm. and yeah. I had it's no kind of crazy. Cause it's not something you think about, especially because you're specking out your character towards one or like one specific build. So chances yeah. are, I mean, I would assume that something like 90% of the people specked out their characters in a lethal build of some sort, you know, yep. like they weren't just punching or hitting things with bats. <laughs> like <laughs> They were shooting them with guns, they're chopping them with swords, or they were, you know, hacking them and burning them to death or whatever. Right. Um, yeah. Like chances are right. So it's not like one of those it, had it popped up in a sequence where you then had the option. And I don't remember. I don't think it did that. Like you don't get the last hit on him. And then all of a sudden you zoom in and it go, and he's like, please let me live. And you decide yes or no. Right. It was no, more of a, yeah. just, you just are fighting. And all of a sudden now his health bar, health bar is dead. And the last thing you did was hit him with a sword or shoot him with a gun. And now he's dead. Right. Like it's, it's hard to know that that's an option because, yeah. because you aren't given that option for other things. It's not taught to you ahead of time in a clear enough way to say like, there's a there's a running benefit to not killing everybody. 
And, and I, and you're hundred percent right, because even with a lot of the cyber psychos, which is kind of where they try to teach you this mechanic of non-lethal combat, even with those, you, you really, there's no fail state for those. If you kill them, she gets mad, you know, yeah. the fixer gets mad at you, but you're not penalized for it. You might not get as many credits, but they, they're like, you know what? I understand. Sometimes you just got to put them down and you don't really, you don't really value that mercy option. Right. So when we, when I, when we started digging into this and we started looking into more of the, the, the actual plot line of Goro and finding out that first off Oda can be saved. I was like, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't realize that that was an option. I, I would have, honestly, I probably would have spared his life just out of respect for him sparing my life right. uh, back on right. the dock. Like, yeah. Had you had a conversation where he was just like, hold on, please don't kill me. Remember I spared your life, you know? Yeah. You know, would you be so honorable to grant me the same? I will go into hiding something, you know, whatever, you know, like, yeah, then you'd have the option. Okay. Yes. Or maybe you say, yeah, that's fine. And then boom, punch him instead and knock him out and then leave, you know, like, or whatever. But yeah, not, and you don't get any that, of that. It's, it's a fault in, in game design to an extent where a lot of the time when you're given a game where it's an RPG, they take away your agency without knowing that there's an alternative. And this mm -hmm. is totally one of those instances where I feel like they really, really should have taken that moment and paused it before you killed them and had that dialogue option and said, Hey, you know what? I, I realize you've bested me. I, I respect your prowess. I yield. As a, right. Yeah. I as, yield as a fellow you, warrior out that. of respect. I yield. Give me that, you know, like, yeah. Totally. And you could totally have written that in a few different ways. Um, but yeah, I, and I, I don't know that. And you don't even have to say like, you don't even have to put a little notice up there that says something like this could affect the future of the game. You know, like this could affect yeah. the ending. Like you don't Oda even need remembers. to say that. Right. Who to remember? You're right. You know, <laughs> yeah. You don't need to add any of that stuff. Um, yeah, I, I, I totally could have seen that working out differently. But you know what, Logan, we are we need to take the middle of the show here because we've been going for a while now. And why don't we do that? And then why don't we come back and talk about some of the differences in the endings? Because I know that you had some thoughts on uh, some things that could happen in the endings that you had, weren't originally aware of that you thought were really cool. Right? Totally. Okay, so let's do that. Yeah. Let's go. Let's we got to thank our patrons. Here we go. It's time to thank our patrons and I'm it's it's sexy time too because I'm taking off my jacket because it's a little warm in here now that the computer and screens have, and lights have all been running. Um, but <laughs> that's what I do every time. I just don't tell you guys that on the patron part, I get a little sexier. Um, I could do it in a sexy voice too. I can be like, thank you to all of our patrons. You have been the wind beneath our wings, the things that keep us afloat and maybe even erect. Um, but I'm not going to do that. So I won't, I won't do that. Um, but thank you to our patrons. You guys are amazing. Every, every week. I'm very, very thankful for you being here, helping to support the show and <laughs> keeping us going. If you aren't a patron, then you are missing out because you can get ad free episodes. You get episodes a day early. You get the ability to, depending on the tier you're at, to join us at the end of the month and talk cyberpunk with us, which has been awesome. We've been doing this for the last few months and that group is growing and we always have such an awesome time. You guys, I'm sure, have been listening to some of those episodes as well. All sorts of fun stuff. So thank you to all of our patrons for helping us out. And 
um, it's being that this is the beginning of the month, you've got a few weeks to consider signing up before the next patron episode where we chat with our patrons. So take a look at that. Patreon.com slash cyberpunk lore, I believe. I always forget the name of the different Patreons. I do too many shows, Logan. Um, but I'm sure if you uh, go to the website, look in the show notes or Google it, it will show up. So thanks, everybody. Let's move on with the show. Ahoy there, ye landlubbers. Avast. My name is Captain Logan, and I'll be your guide out on the Sea of Thieves. If you love the idea of stealing treasure, cutting down cursed skeletons, fighting off krakens, and raiding forts filled to the brim with shinies, then Sea of Thieves is the game for you. Join me each week as I dive into the news and bring back the nuggets of information that any sailor worth their weight in salt would desire. You don't have to be a pirate legend to gain access to my podcast. Just search for Keelhauled, a Sea of Thieves podcast in your podcast app of choice or head over to robotsradio.net or captainlogan.podbeam.com and get ready to set sail for adventure. Arr. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Um, Turtle Fallout 76 in chat says, please never use your husky, breathy 70s late night radio announcer voice again. Um, I think I'm going to start a <laughs> podcast that's just me talking like that. I have sleepy time stories, which I haven't kept up with, which is me like reading stories from Elder Scrolls uh, in a like tone. And people still listen to it. They use it to get sleep. There's only like, I don't know, 12 or 15 episodes or something. Um, but yeah, I could do I could do a late night 70s announcer voice. It could be like an ASMR thing. Oh my god! I just I'm writing this out. I just want to see how how far it's gonna go. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's that. Please, hey. please do not. Hey. hey baby, Turtle Fallout seventy six. I want you to know that he's not the only one that can do something like this. <laughs> We're all here for you. Nightmares, nightmares already. <laughs> hey baby. Thanks for tuning this into is... the Cyberpunk Lorecast, bringing you all the best from the dark future. These are the things <laughs> that you too could find if you join us for the live episodes here on twitch.tv forward slash robots radio. Yeah, we should do an ad, ad like that. Anyway, so yeah, so you, you do or don't kill Oda and that can change yes. the future of the game. And then there are some endings where you... I mean, there are, in fact, all the endings you coordinate with Takamura in order to carry out the ending, unless you, of course, just kill yourself. Um, but then you were surprised by something. What were you surprised by at the end of the game? 
So this, this was really crazy. Um, we've kind of hit that no return point with his story. Uh, Oda is kind of the capping off point because once you deal with Oda in whatever fashion you deal with, you then get to have that meeting with Hanukkah to bring to light the truth about Yornubu uh, killing Saburo and bringing dishonor to, uh, uh, to, to Goro. And at that point, it, it's kind of one of those moments where she kind of blows you off. And that's, it, it's kind of a killing point in the story. Cause it's just like, wait, what? <laughs> like, yeah. did you, did you not hear the part about how your brother killed your father? Like, that's kind of a big deal. And she just, she kind of blows you off, but you end up kidnapping her. Goro actually is just like, all right, we're taking you with us. And she, he, he like knocks her out. Um, I think with sleep darts or something. And you kidnap the, the heiress to the Arasaka family fortune. And it's kind of nuts. Um, but that's where the point takes you to uh, this, this meeting in a hotel room where you're pretty certain that you're just going to be having this sit down chat with Hanukkah to try to explain like, this is what's going to happen. This is what I need you to do. This is how we're going to wrestle control away from your Nubu and also help V get this relic out of his head. And it's at that point that after you have this conversation, you really start to kind of realize like there's, there's, and, and I went through all of this and it was kind of the point where I was like, okay, I'm going to have to get Arasaka's help with this. I don't want to get Arasaka's help with this mm -hmm. relic, but it feels like the way the game is pushing me, this is my, this is my through line to surviving. Yeah, no other choice. I'm going to die. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's like you don't have, you have to, again, you have to deal with the evil empire because it's your only choice. Yeah. Right. And it was, it was kind of nuts. So this was, this was kind of crazy. So if you go through this, what ends up happening is the, the kidnapping is attempt or, you know, after you kidnap her, um, you take her out and not take her out, not take her out, but Arasaka forces uh, basically descend upon you at the apartment complex. They bust in, smashers there. They got a whole bunch of, uh, uh, you know, really well-armored troops, really heavy, like apple seed looking boys running around, <laughs> right. which right. if you don't understand the anime reference, I apologize. Just look up apple seed. You'll totally understand it when you play through it. And they, they kind of come in and knock everyone to the ground. Uh, they, they grab Hanukkah and take her out in an AV and you fall through the floor. And Johnny at that point is just like, get up, get the F out of here. We're it, it, the building's going to collapse or you're going to get killed. Mm -hmm. And I'm in your, I'm in your brain and I don't want to be there for that. <laughs> right. And right. You're and, and, and you know, it's Johnny. Johnny's been with you this whole time. He's been that voice in the back of your head telling you what's best for yourself or for both of you. Mm -hmm. So I trusted him. I, I just ran there. But I found out today when we were doing research, you can actually go save Takemura, who I just assumed died. And yeah. was just like, that, well, that's the end of that storyline. That sucks. I guess I'll have to do whatever, I, whatever I've got to do with the rest of my life. Yeah, I had the same no. assumption. I had the same assumption that like, okay, this is this is the end of his story. P yeah. Period. Yeah. Like there's no other option for this. This is just it. Yeah. So this was the, this was the crazy part. I, I, I upon finding out that you can totally ignore Johnny and you can find your way back up to the 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 third floor the the upper floors uh from where he fell down mm -hmm. you can actually murder a whole bunch of really armored guys uh 
and 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 just you know blast your way through the hallways it's it feels like the matrix it's so nuts that's crazy i'll uh, have to go back and do that yeah 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 i'm I'm totally doing it and whether you trust johnny or not as you as v trusting johnny in the character as a role play decision or you are playing it like a video game and you're already going through this intense stuff and you trust him as if it's the game telling you this is where you go next does does that make sense like that's what it feels like it feels like a yeah okay you did a thing here's where you go next just so it's clear you don't have any other options go there do it right like that's kind of what it felt like this this is where i think that the game design really stepped up for me because uh, upon reading this and finding out and watching videos about it this was where i realized like the the story that they've written here is is like another level because they're doing the game thing they're doing exactly Mm -hmm. what games do they guide you along to tell you what your next step in the progress of the quest is but what they're not what what the what gamers are not realizing is that the game is treating the characters as if they're real. Right. Johnny only has the same amount of information as you do and is only basing his logic off of what he knows that you've seen. So his assumption that uh, Goro is dead is based solely on your perspective. And it's only through your loyalty to Goro that you would break away from that game guiding aspect and go try to find his body. Yeah, that's interesting. Interesting point. You know, like you would have to want it enough to test the boundaries. Yeah, like test and, the, and they, the game design boundary of no. Let me just go see. Let me yeah, let me just and, try this. It's like it's like when you enter uh, when you're playing a puzzle game. And there's clearly a, a light on the, you know, on the door that you're supposed to exit, but you decide to go, mm, I don't know if I fully trust that as the only exit of the room. And then you check all the dark corners. Mm-hmm. It, that's yep. the, it's the same kind of thing. Like we all know the lit door is the place you go to next. You just follow the lit doors and 90% of the time, 99% of the time, that's the next door you open and you just keep going to the next doors. But, you know, but it's almost like, um, this almost harkens back to Super Mario Brothers. Yeah, in that it really sense does. that like, and, you know, and, and maybe I'm wrong, but until I played Super Mario Brothers, you would start on the level, you would continue through the level and you would get to the end of the level. You'd start the next level, you continue through the level, you get to the end of the level. But all of a sudden you have to start testing pipes to see if you can go into a secondary level in the level or you have to hit all the boxes to see if there's an invisible box that has a vine that you can climb into the clouds and do a secondary level like or a door that pops in like that idea of like breaking the expectation of the gamer is is something that's happened before and i don't know that we've seen it happen uh in this way we we definitely have in an rpg but in in the same sense that it feels like we're in a guided section of the game and then all of a sudden there's a storyline thing that affects the end of the game and a character survives. Not, not to this extent. Definitely not. I don't, no, I, think, I don't know. 
you know, this is definitely one of those moments where where they've really excelled at the design of the game because of how it impacts the rest of the game with that character. You could totally argue that uh, some of the hidden rooms in Portal or Portal Two mm-hmm. could totally be be uh, analogous to to you know breaking the expectation and and, and rewarding the curiosity or, or the, uh, sure. the, the the disregard for the the guided path of, of a game design. Still get out at the end like you still yes. complete the story the same way it's not like had you found one of those side things that all of a true. sudden you realize at the end that your parents are alive you know like true yeah right it, it's, it, that's it really the part of it of that just, makes it different yeah it does just kind of add flavor in like portal and stuff this this ultimately does impact the ending of the game which is which was the, that was the crazy thing to me for for first off that you can actually save goro and two that it actually impacts the end of the game because i i went through the end of the game the way that um you have to to see this ending to see this play out and it was totally different and after it was interesting because after going through this, if you save Goro um, and you choose the path of going down with uh, going with Arasaka, you you agree to have Arasaka uh, do the removal and to, to save your life or potentially save your life, however it ends up, then that's when you actually have um, uh, Takamuro join you in your quest to to go to arasaka tower and that's where you actually run into the situation where he's with you most of the time mm-hmm. and he's actually there uh and, and and this is kind of skipping forward a little bit but this is the point where you actually get to the atom smasher fight and and we've talked in the past about the endings of the games and kind of diving into yeah. those and how it feels like each person has uh, a, a set type of ending for that game. You know, someone someone gets killed, someone survives, or someone's with you, or maybe you're alone in that in certain instances. But um, this was a this was a, a path that I didn't expect. And to have Goro at the end of this fight, I got to watch the video, um, and I'll actually give credit to the video that that actually did it. Uh, ESO video was covering the Takamoro storyline, and thanks to his his video. Um, I got to watch it from that perspective instead of having to play through the game an entire time. Uh, this saved me a lot of trouble. So thanks to him for for that. Um, but watching it, the dialogue between Goro and Adam Smasher was very interesting. So at the very end here, I, I, I wanted to pose a question to you before I kind of talk about what, what I noticed in the video was mm-hmm. how, how much different is Takamuro to Adam Smasher from your perspective? Because from my perspective, mm-hmm. most of them, both of them are pretty close to full on Borg. And both of them are bodyguards to Arasaka heirs right. or owners. Right. And they're both trying to do the same thing. So I'm, I'm curious, it, do you see much difference between Takamuro and Smasher? They both want kind of the same they, thing. Yeah. Um, I, my first thought is like... <laughs> Uh, like on a D&D grid sense I feel like Takamura is um, is lawful neutral mm-hmm. right like yeah he's doing what's best for him he's doing what's best for just whatever situation he's in but he's following like this is the situation that was presented to him these are the boundaries and he's and he's being 
loyal and honorable in everything he does, right? I think Adam Smasher is probably more like chaotic neutral or, uh, I mean, he's not lawful, right? In fact, he may even just be evil. Like he, he clearly can hold a job and works for an organization. So he's not chaotic evil, right? He's not trying yeah. to destroy the, or everything, but yeah. he's also not the kind of person who cares what everyone thinks or, or obeys traffic lights. I'm sure, you know, like, he's the kind of, like, you know what I'm saying? Like he's got to be like neutral evil. I would think like he just does what's best for him, no matter what. And as long as you pay him, he'll, he, he'll stay on the payroll, you know, because that's just, you know, like it's just what he does. Yep. That's, yeah. God. I think that's the difference is that if, if you were to have a conversation with Adam Smasher and he said, I promise I will do this, you would never believe it. I don't know. I actually think if he, if he said something like that, but it was, but it was what he was told to do. I think he would. I, I think, I think the difference is, is that there's a, there's a, because I, I feel like to me, I feel like they're on the same level. They're almost exactly the same person. But I think that the difference there is, comes down to empathy. And I think Takamuro is more, is better as a, as a person because of his ability to empathize. Mm -hmm. And I yeah. think that that's yeah, the thing human. that's masking. Right. Yeah. So that's, that's where I wonder, like, I wonder if, if that is just, is, is the, the narcissism is the, the lack of empathy, is that just something that is inherent to Adam and it, and you can kind of explain it away because of the Borg status of him, mm -hmm. or is that just something that was, you know, like did the, did him turning more Borg push him to that? And if, and if pushed, would Takamuro lose that empathy as well if he started becoming more and more Borg? And I wanted to, yeah. I, I wanted to ask that question, you know, like what, right. you know, we, the whole game we're dealing with this concept of cyberpsychosis. Right. It's constantly threaded throughout the game in all the different zones. You have to deal with people who are suffering cyberpsychosis, where psychosis has, has struck a person and they've lost control. And with Adam Smasher being on the brink of full Borg, it makes me wonder if empathy was one of those casualties to his change. And how far off is Takamuro from just offing you the way Smasher would right. if he was just a hair further past that line of human and Borg? Yeah, I think I think that um, what I know of Adam Smasher is that he's always been a terrible person. He was always yeah. a mercenary. He was always someone out for himself and, and on some levels enjoys his work. You know, the kind of person True. who, who True. like gets off on killing other people or just dominating them, you know, that kind of thing. So he was already closer. He was already non-empathetic at the beginning. So there wasn't that much further that the technology would have to push him to get to the point where he was just like not human because he, he you know, he just really wasn't even that human to begin with. Um, yeah. Takamura Takamura is, is a very human person. Um, he may be less human than he was once at one point because of the technology. But I think that fundamentally he, he, hold, he holds two ideals. I don't think Adam Smasher holds to any ideals. Ooh, I think that might be the difference is that yeah. Adam Smasher does what's in his own interests and what's best for him. And, you know, like I said, if the, if the corporation continues to pay him and he gets what he wants, he gets what he wants. He does his job because that's all he's ever known. 
he's a mercenary. He gets paid to do his thing. He does his thing. Um, uh, Takamura is is about he's he's idealistic. There there are ideals. It is about honor. It is about tradition. It is about trust. It is about you know like these are the things, and he may rearrange the way he believes the way to, the world to work so that they fit into those ideals. He may justify some things on occasion in order to continue doing the things that he does, but deep down he still holds to those things. I think that's the difference. Um, so here's a, a really interesting thing that I, that thanks to watching the video, I, I probably would have had to play through this entire storyline to be able to get to this point. And it's not something that I've seen in any of the, the, the dialogue that I've, or any of the actual like uh, kind of stuff that you see going into like looking up research about him. But in that fight, Smasher refers to Takamuro as a traitor, which mm-hmm. I think is very interesting for a bodyguard, a mercenary, a murderer who cares not for other people to have that sense right. of I, I get where you're going. traitor. Yeah, but like, is that because he cares about traitors or is that because he will use any uh, because he knows that that is biting to his adversary? Ooh, right. Like I hadn't considered that. Right. Like I don't have to believe you're a traitor in order to use that as a word that will manipulate you emotionally because I know who you are and I know what you believe. Um, oh, that would be some head games right there. But though. that's, that's the more, that's the more sinister, like uh Satan, like yeah. Lucifer kind of thing of, it doesn't matter what I think, like what I think it doesn't matter at all. What matters is what manipulates you. Um, and he I knows see, that that would burn him by, by saying you're I, a traitor. Yeah. And, and I see it to, to try and draw a Star Wars parallel. It's that difference between Emperor Palpatine goading Luke to mm-hmm. strike him down versus uh, Finn coming across that that comrade in arms, that other stormtrooper and the stormtrooper being so disgusted with what Finn has become that he just screams out the word traitor and starts attacking Finn. Uh, it's it's. It makes me wonder, like, is this a mind game from Smasher? Because I hadn't considered that. I had always been kind of leaning on that. They're on the same lines. They are both bodyguards to Arasaka family members. One of them died and one of them uh, failed at their job and mm-hmm. is now fighting against the family. And it makes me wonder, is Smasher loyal to your Nobu? Uh, what happens with... Um, with with goro at the end of this when you kill smasher because eventually you you end up taking out your nobu's your nobu's bodyguard and mm-hmm. that's that's kind of when that pushes us into the last bit of the story which i thought was very interesting because this was a, a discussion that we had in one of the previous episodes to give a quick recap you end up meeting up with Yorinobu in his room Hanako is nowhere to be found and Smasher is dead and as you're approaching the room where Yorinobu is at Goro says he can't go on because at that point I was watching the video and I'm like what's going to happen Mm-hmm. What what is Goro going to do to this guy that killed his 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 master, the man who picked him out of the special forces group and brought him up to the personal bodyguard to the family corporation? Right. What is he going to do to his son? Like, how do you get away with that? 
and he, and he holds himself back. He actually has self-control. And Goro says, no, I can't go into that room. I will kill that man. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. He goes all the way. He goes all the way to the very end of this revenge plot line. And he, and he stays his hand and he lets you take the choice. And I'm just like, <laughs> mind blown. Like, yeah. wow, I wish I had gotten to play through this. So you go in, you talk to Yorinobu. He says, you don't know what you have. You don't understand what you've done. You don't know what's going on. And you're like, I hate you. You suck. You're an idiot. You've lost everything. <laughs> and Hanoko comes in and is like, I love you. I'll take care of you. Don't worry about it. And then you find out later on uh, in, in when you go up to space, Hanoko's like, yeah, go with Hellman, who is the dude who invented the relic and kind of, you know, he's the one that's going to help you get it all taken out. He's like, go with Hellman. He'll get you, get the relic taken out. And then we'll thank you for helping me on my end, help helping Hanako take control of the Arasaka uh, Corporation. Mm-hmm. Eh not what happens mm-hmm. you go up into the space station uh hellman uh hands you off to the arasaka corporation the corporation removes the relic and the tumors you no longer have johnny but you wake up in this st- space station and you're going through all these cognitive tests and, and response tests and stuff it's a whole new thing but that's where you find out that saburo has now inserted himself via relic engram into your nobu's body and the whole world is just blown away. Like the leader of the company is now an immortal God at this point mm-hmm. who has taken his body, his son's body uh, is consensually. Maybe we don't really know how consensual would, that was I'm knowing him. I'm, uh, probably not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. It, <laughs> so, you find out at the very end uh, that in, in my playthrough, when I went through the space station, uh, I found out that Hellman was the one that comes and greets you after a whole bunch of tests and a lot of frustration that you have the choice of what's going to happen to you. You can become an engram and join the rest of the engrams at Arasaka Tower and be folded into the internet, or you get six months to live. Mm-hmm. And you get that choice. And Hellman was my connection there. But because you saved uh, Goro, because you saved Oda, Goro is actually the one that is up in the space station. And he goes up there and he's like, this is this is savage what they're doing to you. I can't believe that they have you up here. This is brutal. It's mm-hmm. barbaric. Mm-hmm. And that's when he gives you the bad news. And you have to make that choice. And it was so, so interesting. And, and, and God, I, I wish I had known that this was an option because I totally would have taken it. And this was the point where I was like, I would have, I would have been so much better. I would have felt so much safer if Takamuro was the one to, to be in the space station with me, to, to bear this news to me. I probably would have taken it a lot better than if it was just this cold, heartless scientist right. who had created this technology helmet of all people. Right. And also, and was probably, uh, you know, was instrumental in some of the problems you had to deal with altogether. You know, yes. Yeah, totally. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Kind of so, part of his fault too. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So I, 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 Really, I one of my playthroughs, I definitely want to go through and I want to experience this for myself. It was great to watch it on video, but it's totally different to actually do this. So that's kind of the end of the story for you and Takamoto. And 
I, I just got to say, like, you know, while, while reading through a lot of this, while going through it and experiencing the portions that I did in this game, it, it still, it still amazes me just how amazingly well written a lot of the characters in this game are. And I still kind of wish that, that it wasn't as, uh, as open world as it was. And it was more of like a, a real handcrafted narrative RPG that didn't, that didn't push you out under the other areas. But my, my one saving grace is that I hope uh, the DLC does exactly what they did with these characters, but just adds new characters and gives us breeze life into those other parts of the open world that felt so neglected. Cause I would love to have more characters like Goro. Yeah. I don't know. What did, what did yeah. you think? No, I, 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 I'm, I'm on board with you here. Um, I've said this before. CD Projekt Red's strength is in their story writing and in their characters. Um, and that's, I mean, that's been true since The Witcher 1. They're, they've been really, really good at that stuff. The stuff that they are uh, learning still and still improving on are open world interactivity, making the world living. If they're, if they're going to get to a place where this becomes multiplayer and we can all be our own cyberpunks in a world running around together, that part of this, the GTA aspects of this, the simulations, the cops, the 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 water. <laughs> there was a video that came out this last week where they're showing out oh, yeah. how the water doesn't react compared to you know Far Cry <laughs> and some other games. Um, but like the, the yeah. way that, the, and obviously that stuff takes more time. You know, when you're working in a studio that can move over some of that technology from previous games, then it's it's easier to do. Or you know, as a studio like Ubisoft, who uses like a hundred million studios across the world, and they all work on different aspects of the game. Um, but that stuff takes time to build out. Hopefully we'll get there, but I very much expect to see more interesting story and other characters that we haven't come across yet. Um, and we talked about this a little bit last week too. Like the, uh, you look to the Witcher three DLC as an example of what they might do. And each of the DLCs for the Witcher three introduce, <clears throat> excuse me, introduces new characters, brings back other characters and fleshes other stuff out in a way that's very compelling. And some people think is even the better, better storylines in the game. So, mm-hmm. you know, um, I hope that's what we get. I also hope that we, I think what we're going to see is continued patches and improvements to the world. Part of it as the, the next few years go by that make the world more interactive and kind of flesh that side of it out. That happens parallel to the expansion of stories and adventures and things that we get with other DLC. If that makes sense. Yeah. I think the patches that improve the world will be free and the DLC will be things that we purchase. Um, If they're at the caliber. Yeah. If, if, if they're at the caliber where they're building stories like this for new characters to, to come in contact with, I I would easily drop the money for that. I'm totally fine because it's, it's a good enough story just based on the, the, the stuff that we've gotten with the, the game as is that I, I totally support wanting more of it. I think it was really, really beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And then we've talked about this a lot. The story, we don't have, the stories are not where the problems of this game lie. It's, it's a lot of the other stuff that was promised that just hasn't been in there, or at least was led to believe it be expected. Um, but you know, that's where we are and that's where things are going to go. And I think then whatever in the next story bit we're going to get is going to be awesome going to be great stuff and yeah. hopefully fleshes out parts of the world and parts of the, you know, the other gangs and some other corporations, all the other stuff we've already talked about. So, 
Um, I think that's a great place to wrap this up, though. Um, Logan, thank you for that uh, synopsis on your your thoughts and, and things. And, you know, I've chimed in a, a little bit, but this was very much your uh, ode to cyberpunk's samurai movie. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, great stuff. Very, very cool stuff. And um, yeah, I need to I need to go through some of those other endings. I need to I want to see the Takamura ending. I, I can I can finish watch. I was I was watching some of the video that you were you were mentioning, but um yeah i'll get there we'll get to a point where i do that even even watching them there's they're great to watch but to be perfectly honest it's it, it there's a reason why this game works so well in first person and it's because every time you play through it you get to feel so involved with everything that you're doing it's totally worth it's totally worth playing through the the different endings and stuff and and i if anything i would just say to those that are out there playing it don't don't feel like you have to go where you where they're telling you to go because you may be the next person to find the next hidden little easter egg about the story with some of these characters right right yeah there could be others so that's that's what's kind of fun about this is that there very well could be others um but tell you what why don't we wrap it up is there uh is there anything going on that you want to share before we head out uh same old stuff with sea of thieves been fishing a lot in there so if you guys want to keep up with the sea of thieves news you can always follow my podcast it's the keel hall podcast on the robots radio network just head over to we're going back to robotsradio.net to make sure that you are following all of the wonderful podcasts Awesome. <laughs> um, yeah. Speaking of CFDs, we started talking about about this at the beginning. Um, I am now streaming every day during the week at three thirty p.m. Eastern. Uh, I like to say noon thirty, noon thirty Pacific, and um, that's my thing for some reason. I want to say it like that, and uh, I can say it in my sexy voice, noon thirty Pacific. And uh, welcome to the Robots Radio Twitch stream, where we stream Sea of Thieves. We are the No Pants Pirates. So yeah, no, but we've been playing as the No Pants Pirates. That's our crew. That's what we do, and it's been been a lot of fun. We'll be playing lots of other games as well. I've also been streaming in the evenings, and I'm going to do this new thing where I pop into people's streams and challenge them to the thousand dollar challenge. That's yes, that's right, folks. The thousand dollar challenge with music like this. Welcome to the thousand dollar challenge, and. uh that's going to be a thing that I'm going to start doing in a little, a little bit, maybe later this week. I'm still trying to get everything kind of formatted how I want to with the overlay. It's going to become videos. It's going to be super fun. I'm going to be challenging them to do wacky and zany things in game and or in their real life in order to win a thousand dollars. They're going to go through like five different things that they have to do. And it's going to start out pretty simple. It's going to be stuff like, you know, find a player in the game and give away 5,000 gold in three minutes. You know, like, okay, well, I gotta find somebody in chat. Go find them. We drop you. Here's three, 5,000 gold. No, take it. Don't, I don't need to trade anything. Just take it. I just, I just have to get rid of it in three minutes. Okay. Congratulations. You won 50 bucks. And then like, we'll, we'll step it up and it'll be more difficult. And then eventually it'll get to like super wacky stuff. And I think sometimes I'm even going to give them the option of like, would you want, do you want to do an in-game thing this time? Or do you want to do like an in, in like the real world kind of thing in person thing? And so it's going to be stuff like call a funeral home and book a funeral for yourself. You know, like, <laughs> it's just like, what? Yes, that's me. That's what you're going to do right now. Or uh, another idea I had was um, oh call, find a, find a wedding venue. Like, let's just Google a wedding venue that's nearby you. Okay. Now call them and ask how much it costs for uh, you know, to book a wedding venue. And then 
then ask if you can get a discount if the bride or groom are a blow up doll. <laughs> Just like <laughs> <laughs> here, go. Did you, oh, can you accomplish yeah. this? And at some point, they either will or will not accomplish certain things. And if they accomplish all five tasks, then then they could earn a thousand dollars. Uh, which is going to be super fun. It'll be money for like uh, advertising on the network, basically. But um, for content creators, people, Twitch streamers, streamers and things like that, thousand bucks goes a long way. That's like 40,000 impressions. So that would be huge and helping get the word out about their streams. So it's kind of a fun thing I'm putting together. Hope you guys come and check that stuff out. Um, but yeah, that's what I've been doing. That's great. That's <laughs> hilarious. That is the most ridiculous silliness that I've ever heard of. I, I, I appreciate the hell out of that. Yeah. yeah. That's, I, if, if there is a way that you could get, <laughs> you could get someone to do something, I don't know, read, read a, uh, I don't know, a Robert Frost poem in a pirate voice. Right. And just right. like, give them, give them, you know, a minute to look up a Robert or an Edgar Allan Poe, something, something silly, right. but just like, make a really cool twist that's funny yeah. that's that's worth yeah. checking out <laughs> yeah so if you have any any wacky ideas for things that we can have people do I, I don't want anything that's harmful i don't want anything that they you know like it's dangerous or illegal right i just want stuff that's like fun and ultimately would make sense like like okay if i do this i will make four hundred dollars and it might cost me 10 bucks okay yes it's worth doing you know like that kind of thing you know, it's, it's a mm-hmm. no brainer, but it's also like super embarrassing or, or like, you know, like what if, what if, what if in Sea of Thieves, it's like the, the, the final challenge is something like, um, I don't know, like the challenge is led up to a point where you had like tons and tons of treasure on your ship. And then the final yeah. challenge is like sink your ship, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> you just spent, good. you just spent all day collecting all this gold and all this, all this stuff. And now you just have to sink it or just like find other pirates and give them your ship without them sinking. It. I, I like it. I like it. <laughs> you know, something like that. Um, or what if it's like, you know, rub peanut butter all over your head. Okay. That could be fun. All right, guys. That went, a, that went a weird way. <laughs> Real quick. Like, like, what if it was, what if it was make a sandwich out of the first three condiments you find in your fridge and eat it? Oh, man. Then oh, it could be man. like mustard, ketchup, and mayonnaise sandwich. Ooh. Oh, that's just silliness. That's great. Yeah. Wacky stuff. Go for it. Wacky stuff. Or, <laughs> I just came up with one. Uh, make cereal, but instead of milk, use orange juice. Oh God, no! Uh, right, uh, and then eat it. Eat a bowl of cereal. Nope, oh. <laughs> not worth it. <laughs> not gonna do it. How, how much money out. is that worth for you? <laughs> I. Uh, how much money would it be worth dude. to brush your teeth and then eat orange juice? Drink orange juice. Oh, that's that's a terrible thing. That's right. harmful. That's dangerous. That's illegal. <laughs> that's explosive. <laughs> that would blow up your face. Um, all right. Well, if you guys have any other crazy wacky ideas, especially in-game ones that are that are like fun to do, like um. At some point, I might even challenge somebody like who plays Fallout 76 or Elder Scrolls Online to like delete your character. (laughs) Oh, would you do it for a thousand bucks? Would you delete your character? If you're if if I was a content creator in in Fallout 76 and I oh God, what if you put hundreds of hours into that character? Would you delete it? Oh, I know it's such a dilemma. It's a dilemma. Makes for good, makes for good content. 
and you right. can say no that that's fine you'll still win whatever whatever you accrued up to that point like you still might walk away with 500 bucks or something but like for that yeah. extra five to double it would you delete your character five hundred dollars how much how much it'd be like selling your character for 500 bucks i want to see i want to see the person that does that yeah yeah this is gonna be fun all right so um i hope to launch that this week sometime i'll probably do it in the evenings so come hang out with me uh follow the channel and uh we'll see you guys next time for some more cyberpunk i had some other ideas logan but we'll, we'll chat about that uh later because they just fell out of my brain again all right we'll see you guys later have a good rest of your week and stay safe in night city bye <laughs> oh that was the wrong button <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to the Cyberpunk Lorecast. This show is a part of the Robots Radio Network, smart podcasts for interesting people. If you'd like to help support the show, please tell a friend and leave a five-star review on iTunes. If you'd like to get in contact, please send an email to cyberpunklorecast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at cyberpunklore. Also, join the community on the Robots Radio Discord. The link is in the show notes. The music on the show was written and performed by The Midnight and was used with their permission. Go check them out at themidnightofficial.com. Until next time, stay safe in Night City. We'll talk to you later. You've been listening to a Robots Radio Podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net. My name is Brian Burton. It's been 26 years since the bombs fell. And since I've left the vault, I've been trying to rebuild. This isn't the Appalachia that I remember. There's so much more to everything going on. And I promise to find the answer. So if you're out there, if you're listening, just hone in on these coordinates. Remember, there's a place for you at the end. Omega. The Omega Broadcast Fallout Story is available on iTunes, Spotify, and many great podcasting sources. Hey friends, this is Robots, the creator of the Robots Radio Podcast Network and host of the two original shows on the network, the Fallout Lorecast and the Elder Scrolls Lorecast. These two shows have rocketed up the iTunes charts. They both together have over 155 star reviews in only a couple of months with bite-sized episodes that take you step-by-step step through the background of the games in the game worlds. They're thought-provoking, well-produced, and a lot of fun. I recommend you go check them out at robotsradio.net or on any podcast reader, podcatcher, whatever you use, iTunes, Spotify. Again, that's the Fallout Lorecast and the Elder Scrolls Lorecast, available everywhere. Are you a fan of Elden Ring? Are you confused about the lore as pretty much everyone else? We've got you covered. Check out the Elden Archives, a lore podcast that helps to explain every little confusing detail about the lands between. Things like what exactly happened on the Night of the Black Knives, or what we really know about characters like Nicola. Just like the show you're listening to now, we're on the Robots Radio Network, so you know it'll be good. Wondering how to find the show? Easy. Either go to robotsradio.net or search Elden Archives on whatever podcatcher you're using right now. Bookmark the show for later, and we'll see you in the lands between.
Again, that's The Elden Archives, a FromSoft Lorecast, available everywhere.